Thanks for finding another OMN Coffee Shop conversation from the Artichoke Music Cafe. I'm Tom D'Antoni. With me is drummer, composer, journalist, intellect, and all-around talented guy, Tim DeRoche. He is what amounts to kicking off the fall music season on Wednesday, September 7th, with a weekly, month-long concert series at the Turn, Turn, Turn Club in Portland, each performance with a different ensemble. He also plays on the new album, Amazing Life, by Ezra Weiss, which will have a release gig on Tuesday, October 4, at the Old Church. Tim DeRoche. Well, the little uh, orange light is now lo- no longer flashing, which means that uh, we are recording, even though we've had a nice visit so far anyway. <laughs> yeah, it seems like the, uh, the best conversation always happens before you turn on the uh, button. I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. Um, no, I haven't seen you for years. I know. It's been I, a long time, Tom. Yeah. It's great to see you. Yeah, you too. Yeah. I always tell people that... Uh, uh, when when we're talking about jazz journalists, that although I love what Shoehorn writes for me, and they're wonderful pieces, that you're still number one. Oh, that's thanks. true. I miss I do miss writing. Not the act of writing, <laughs> because the 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 old line is really true, as most old lines usually are, that the pleasure is in having written. He's Boy, <laughs> that's that is. I don't know. I think the journey and the destination are one. Okay, well, I would like to believe that. I would like to believe. Maybe that's why you're so good. <laughs> so you do miss it. I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. What do you but, miss about it? Um, I think telling stories that need to be heard, and I think yeah. bringing attention to artists that need to be seen and heard and recognized. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was when I wrote for Willamette Week. I always tried to make sure at least at least once, if not twice in the blurbs, there was something on some artist performing somewhere because there were mm-hmm. there were years where a lot of this didn't get written about at all. At all, right. Right, I know. Well, you know, uh, that's, what are you going to do? you got to do what you can. Yeah. Why did you stop? Because we've missed you. Well, I think a lot of it was um, people stopped hiring freelancers and well, people, stopped, people stopped paying writers. Um, I, I'm not a good enough writer that I can just wake up in the morning and write for the sake of writing. I need a deadline. Yes. And um, I think I got tired of chasing the pitch. Yes. Yeah, I know. And then, you know, I started doing radio. And mm-hmm. to me, doing radio kind of took over for what used to be the writing which was again sharing really great music with people Mm -hmm. that they might not have heard Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. yeah but uh you know um i i well we we do miss your writing oh well thanks that's absolutely true um so one of the reasons you're here probably the only reason you're here (laughs) is that we want to talk about this series of gigs you have coming up because they're really exciting. Yeah, I'm super excited. Um, Turn, Turn, Turn has been probably one of my favorite rooms in town for a mm-hmm. number of years. Yeah. I love I love the scale of it. Um, first of all, for what I do, um, if you have 12 people in the audience, which is pretty regular, 
um, then you have a full house. And even um, as we were coming out of, I don't know which variant, if it was the Delta variant. Yes. Or, but I remember uh, Scott, who was, who was the, the former owner of Turn, 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 said, well, we're doing things, but we're social distancing. He said, but that's never been a problem with the music you play. <laughs> so, um, and I've been hesitant to go back in. You know, I've played, uh-huh. I've played it Turn, Turn, Turn a couple times. I've played it No Fun. Um, but yeah, my wife has, you know, been compromised with having long COVID and oh. um, just wanting to be careful and keep the eyes on the prize and mm-hmm. not just do the gig because you can do the gig. Mm-hmm. And um, a friend of mine, Tullum, who's a wonderful pianist, was just in town and did a month of gigs in there for mm-hmm. a happy hour. Mm-hmm. And Elizabeth, who is now one of the co-owners, said, hey, we're doing this residency series. And um, if you ever wanted to do it, let me know. And I said, Shh, well, yeah, I mean, I would love to do it. And um, I thought she would say, you know, January or February. And then she <laughs> said, do you want to do September? <laughs> and I said, well, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and it was a really great way to return to doing something in a space I love. Yeah. Um, because I'm also getting older, I just, I'm liking when gigs start earlier. Mm-hmm. I never thought I would hear myself say that, but um, <laughs> um, yeah, I wish they started at two in the afternoon. But, <laughs> um, but five to seven seems doable. It's also, you're not going to have a huge crowd. Right. And then the people who are there are going to be the people who want to be there. Yes. So right. it was. And a, they, pr- they may not be drunk. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, sometimes it helps with some of this music, but <laughs> but it was also an opportunity to um, invite people from a kind of the broad spectrum of what I do mm-hmm. uh, together and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now we're recording this on Tuesday, and it starts tomorrow on Wednesday. Yes, it does, and. Um, the group that's starting tomorrow is with Noah Bernstein mm-hmm. and um, Chao Wei Wu. And Noah and I worked together for many, many years in a trio mm-hmm. with Andre St. James. And when Andre yeah. died, both Noah and I were feeling a little drift. And yeah. um, I mean, Andre and I had a very, very deep relationship for mm-hmm. many, many years. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that it was sort of like feeling like an organ of yours had been taken out. And mm-hmm. we just didn't, didn't really know what to do. And, um, uh, I mean, Noah got involved in the bagel business and, um, you know, <laughs> life went on and then we had a public health crisis and yeah. then, you know, we had protests and, you know, we all of a sudden were in an anarchist jurisdiction that was on fire. And um, so this feels like a little bit of a of a homecoming or a coming out or mm-hmm. a um, just an opportunity to celebrate what we have not been celebrating, which is each other and the music and the venues that support um, taking risks mm-hmm. in a music that should be predicated on taking risks. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the, for this, this first gig, compositions by who? Oh, we'll play tunes. I mean, probably, you know, some standards, some tunes by Noah. Mm-hmm. Um, the... The name of the group, if anyone knows me, they know that I love language play and I love anagrams. Mm -hmm. And um, if you look at the name of the group, Aha Motions, it is all of our first names um, (laughs) rearranged. (laughs) Um, So, and and Sha Wei's lovely. Um, If you haven't heard Sha Wei Wu, he is is equally at home playing inside as outside. Mm -hmm. 
and I love that when somebody can do the ragtime to no time trajectory yeah. in such a such a rich way, and he's just um, just the sweetest disposition. And Noah also is so able to ride that fulcrum of of, mm-hmm. of you know free, you know inside and outside. And I mm-hmm. think it's a lot of the free playing is very. Um, it is compositional in nature, even if it is freely improvised. And I think mm-hmm. it's always been important for people to understand. I did this with my radio show as well, that playing free does not mean fast, cheap, loud, and out of control. Yes. One can be a Paul Blay, or one can be, one can occupy um, modicums of, of, of beauty and melody. Mm-hmm. They just happen to be instantly yeah. composed. Yeah. So yeah. we may play tunes. We may not play them the way you've, heard them but um <laughs> it's just a nice way to um kind of kick things off uh-huh do you have you been rehearsing do I, you need to rehearse I, you know i joke often that i think rehearsing makes you better at rehearsing <laughs> um practice makes you better at practicing yeah. um no it's very very rare that i ever do a rehearsal um to me rehearsal is about um, sharing value and being on the same page. And, mm-hmm. you know, I implicitly trust, you know, every single artist that I'm playing with this month to walk in and sit down and be present. Mm-hmm. Um, Martin Buber says that all real living is in meeting. And that to <laughs> me is, that's one of my favorite equations. Is yeah. Oftentimes I am meeting a musician for the very, very first time on a stage and you in the audience are experiencing our meeting yeah, in a very very public way, and right. I love, I love the vulnerability of that, mm-hmm. and I love the unknown of that. I know it's oh, terrifying absolutely. for a lot of musicians, but yeah. to me, that's where the best things happen. I know, and it's and I like that in in my interviewing. You know, I mean, I love having people on the. I mean, the podcast has been around now for eight years, right? And and, and of course, you know, I, I've done many other interviews, but I love to sit across from somebody I've never met before. You know. And well, the, it's the asking of the questions and, and getting out of the way for a story. Yes. Um, one of the things yes. I loved for years were the um, the jazz conversations with the jazz festival. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. I mean, I still remember asking a question of Steve Kuhn and him bursting into tears because we were talking about his relationship with wow. Bill Evans. And it was this wow. moment of stillness and just... Um, vulnerability yeah. yeah and you know and also wanting to ask the questions because when you read a lot of interviews yeah. p- people get asked the same question all the time right so like you know someone's always going to ask him about you know giant steps and yes. it's like I'm not going to ask him about giant steps <laughs> and I actually said I'm going to ask the question that everyone always wants to ask uh-huh. and I know that he thinks I'm going to ask him about giant steps and instead I asked him about this um, recording he did with Pee Wee Russell wow just yeah I mean just a Throw, throw off the game a little bit. Yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, I had, I had a, a similar uh, experience with Liv Warfield where we we were sharing a surgical experience that we had both had where we, we had half of our thyroid out and, and, and this happened to both of us where just before the, at, at, at some point just before the surgery, they go, you know, we're going to be near your larynx. And so, and we both did this when we, when we're in the recovery room and just regaining consciousness. I went, 
check one two three four and and she did the same thing we and when when we talked about that we both started crying you know is this thing on yeah <laughs> okay so that's the first week so the second week I'm part of this lovely group that I think we play about every six and a half years. And um, <laughs> it is Battle Hymns and Gardens. And Battle Hymns and Gardens started, I want to say, in 2007 or 2008. And it was originally Better Homes and Gardens. And then we assumed that we would get sued. Right. So we changed the name to Battle Hymns and Gardens. And Battle <laughs> Hymns and Gardens is, if I had to describe it to somebody, I would say it is very much in the neighborhood of old and new dreams which was the band that mm -hmm. dewey redman mm -hmm. yeah. and charlie yeah. hayden yeah. Yeah. and um and and ed blackwell had the playing the music of mm -hmm. of ornette yeah and um so it's 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 free it is compositionally driven um but it is really melodic and it, it's so much about chemistry yes and it is joe cunningham and reed wallsmith and john shaw who a lot of people will probably know as the sort of the the part of the core of Blue Cranes, along with Jai mm -hmm. Tanzer and Rebecca Sanborn. Mm -hmm. So it's basically it's Blue Cranes minus yeah minus the piano and the drums, but throwing me into the mix. Uh -huh. And Reed and Joe came over to my house many years ago. I want to say 2008 or so, mm -hmm. and they had spent the better part of a year writing all of these tunes. Wow! And they came over with this box, this giant <laughs> big box. And it was, you know, the typical gag of I open it up, yeah, and there's another box, and then there's another <laughs> box, and there's like packing peanuts, and I get down to the bottom of it, and there's this notebook, and it's all of these really, really wonderful tunes mm -hmm. that they've written, and we recorded an album. We have never released the album. Wow. Recorded the album about ten years ago. Jeez. And everyone is so busy. Joe doesn't live here anymore. He was living in yeah. Brooklyn. Now he's in Denver, mm -hmm. and. He's a flight attendant now, so he can travel really easily. Really? So he just happens to be wow. able to be in town. Ah. So I said, hey, what if we do, you know, a little battle hymns thing? Uh -huh. And he was like, yeah. And he goes, oh, do you want to have a rehearsal? And I was <laughs> like, do we have to? <laughs> so it's a nice way. I mean, this is like musical best of friendsmanship. We all just adore each other musically and personally. Uh -huh. And... The gigs are supposed to be a little more low-key volume-wise because we don't want to disturb the acupuncture studio next door because, <laughs> you know, namaste, boy, would that be a drag. <laughs> um, so that is what's going to be the second week. Um, wow. The third week. Joe's a big baseball fan. Joe's a huge baseball I fan. I know all of the, the jazz players who and, and their teams. I mean, the ones who are big baseball fans. Yeah, so that would be <laughs> Ryan Marr, Lee Elderton, yep. Joe yep. Cunningham. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, yep. I'm sure there's another one. Oh, who's that bass player? Who's a Phillies fan? Anyway. Uh, so no, looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, we we're all in such a very, very different spaces, but we all have worked together over the years. Yeah. And in fact, I mean, we'll, I think you want to ask me about the album with, with Ezra Weiss and John mm -hmm. Shaw, mm -hmm. but both. Joe Cunningham and Reed Wallsmith wrote music for that. So really, so it's like wow. there's this wonderful kind of weft and warp in, yeah. in our in our musical lives, and uh -huh. and so that'll be a nice return. Mm -hmm. The third week, um, John Raskin is 
a fantastic saxophonist, and he has mm-hmm. been a member of the Rova Sax Quartet for yeah. about 40 years. Mm-hmm. John's originally from Portland, and um, he likes to come back and visit, and he has not visited for, well, golly gee, since the pandemic. Right. And um, he just happened to be coming to town during this period, and I was like, well, let's, yeah. let's get together, because we have played off and on. I want to say since the mid-2000s. We did a little mm-hmm. mini tour with John Raskin and Fred Chalinor, mm-hmm. um, wow. late, late bass player, Yeah, um, another bass player that we lost. That was a really rough period. We lost Fred and Ralph Carney yep. and yep. Andre St. James all within months of yeah. each other. Yeah. And um, But really, really wonderful stuff. Mm-hmm. And then joining us will be Aurora Josephson, mm-hmm who is also from here but spent many, many years in the Bay Area mm-hmm. and studied with Joan LaBarbera, toured with Merce Cunningham on wow. their last tour, um, extended vocal technique, beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful range. Mm-hmm. And um, who knows what will happen with that one. <laughs> um, what do you think is going to happen Well, when you envision this? We will have a conversation these are all <laughs> these are all drastically different conversations but i think we're all in you mm-hmm. know if you're all in then the conversation's going to be there right yeah but uh, um and, and who uh, who is responsible for comp- composition are there are these there aren't these playing. are not tunes no you're just gonna, just it's gonna play yeah it's just music yeah yeah and um then the fourth week one of the gigs that I had to cancel in late March 2020 was going to be a a series of duos with um, different musicians, one of whom was Michael Sterling. Mm-hmm. And anyone who knows Michael um, knows Michael's had a had a you know a rough go of things with some health issues, mm-hmm. and you know the pandemic has been challenging for all of us. Michael is an amazing raga singer, and studied with Pandit Pranath and Terry Riley. Wow. And has been practicing um, this music for decades. Mm-hmm. So his instrument is the voice. He he'll he plays tambura as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And he came out of an improvised music background. Who was mm-hmm. a bass player originally, mm-hmm. and um, has been very very involved in the music community here for you know decades. And it was a really nice way to kind of reconvene after a, uh-huh. you know hitting the pause button yeah and having the pause button stuck for for three years three years yeah and um uh reed wallsmith will be joining us so mm-hmm. originally this gig was going to be at no fun it was going to be a set of duos with reed and a set of duos with michael but mm-hmm. we're going to just sit down together and um it's very otherworldly when you get into something where you have the confluence of you know, a, a, a jazz tradition or like an Indian tradition or another another cultural tradition that is grounded in um, very deep listening mm-hmm. and, and you know, in essence, improvisational frameworks that, mm-hmm. um, I mean, with Indian music, it's, you know, certainly much more long form than, yeah. than a lot of, you know, 32 bar yes. based jazz. Yes. But the, the ear and the heart and the eye are all mm-hmm. connected in that same way. So mm-hmm. I'm really, really looking forward to that. Michael just is a, dear dear friend and i and i think the world of him what what is the challenge in playing that music for you well being i think the the challenge the the challenge and the opportunity is mm-hmm. to to be open 
And mm. like with any of these groups, you're meeting people where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't come into the gig going, you know, I'm going to play, I'm going to play all my badass shit today, and like <laughs> I'm going to do lick number fourteen, yeah. and and you know, you you kind of have to come in saying, well, it's Wednesday. I mean, how am yeah. I feeling today? Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. What's the story we all have in the moment that we're having it when we all come together? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, how do we support each other in that in that yeah. space? Uh-huh. So I, I never look at this as a challenge. I, uh-huh. I, I welcome the micro town square. We're always we're yeah. always co-creating. Yeah, yeah. Have you always been this confident? Because that's it, it takes a great great amount of confidence. No, um, to be able to put yourself in that situation. I think I became more that way. Mm-hmm. It was actually tied very much to meditation. Really? I remember for years really thinking about um, bringing some of the tools of mindfulness and things into my life and mm-hmm. and being aware that it, I was super comfortable with the unknown in music. Mm. And it was entirely unfearful. And So no wonder there's no challenge. Well, it. I thought at one point, if I can do this musically in an artistic way mm-hmm. in it, a shared space where people are experiencing it, mm-hmm. then why can't I bring those same tools into my my daily life? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's mm-hmm. like that sort of thing of, you know, we all think that meditation means sitting in a room uh-huh. with, you know, uh, it's a white wall and a little bell and uh-huh. like, you know, yeah. we're, we're all we're all being really, um, yeah. you know, quiet and it's like, but we have we have these moments of of meditation in every every piece of our life so for Mm -hmm. me free improvisation is being that vessel is Mm -hmm. being it's you're being very empty i don't walk in knowing what i'm going to do yeah i walk in and the situation is going to dictate what needs to happen Mm -hmm. and to me there's a freedom there's a freedom in the freedom it's not the 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 sartrean um you know being condemned to freedom yes it's the it's it's welcoming (laughs) It's welcoming the elasticity of that space, mm-hmm. and um, and so I guess I, if I'm confident, I'm just confident that we're all there because the trust and forgiveness is built mm-hmm. into the process of making. Does the audience figure in that that equation at all? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know if people are with you, you yeah. Know, if they're yeah. if they're digging it, I mean, I think the thing that I've learned, especially with a lot of these groups, I mean. You know, Battle Hymns is one. Um, Get Smashing Love Power was another group that was Noah and I Reed. Love, I love that, that group. Oh, that's the yeah. Free Jazz Party Band. Yeah. But as out as it might be, or as, you know, supposedly so-called avant-garde as it is, I always felt that there was an ability to reach an audience mm-hmm. and bring them in. Mm-hmm. So you got to be able to bring them in on, as part of the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're just getting it going in there and squealing on on your horn yeah and not giving an invitation right so what's the what's the springboard what's the on-ramp mm-hmm. uh same thing with the, with the radio show i mean mm-hmm. if i had done you know the new thing as many people that do free free jazz on the radio do mm-hmm. which is you put on a you know screaming free jazz you know album from germany yeah. and if people don't like it you know to hell with them right it's giving people context uh-huh. you know i always say you want to bring them in uh, gently, and then you 
twirl them around in the air, <laughs> and then you set them down nicely so they can go back on their merry way. Uh, I, one time I was talking to Storm, and I said, uh, and she said, I just want to take the audience and just shake them like a like 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 a uterus in an orgasm. And she goes like that. But on the other hand, I interviewed Keith, Keith Jarrett one time, and I said, well, wh what do you think people do, or how do you think people uh, are feeling when they hear your music? And he said, I've never thought of that. Well, and that's interesting, because that yeah. says a lot about him, about him <laughs> and about the artist. And yeah. But the audience presupposes what we do. Yeah. Why, are we, why are we doing what we do if we don't want to reach an audience? Mm -hmm. Exactly. I wrote a piece many years ago about taking requests. Mm -hmm. And to me, there's a very, very powerful thing in taking the request. I know mm -hmm. musicians who, who hate requests. They're like, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. But if you're playing a 50th wedding anniversary yes. and somebody says, can you play Deep Purple? My husband and I <laughs> danced to this the uh -huh. day we were married. You don't mean the band um, Deep Purple. You mean no, the, I song, meant the, the Deep song Deep Purple? Yes, okay. So <laughs> um, we're being asked to be time machines yes. and jukeboxes and share the intimacy of their connection. Mm -hmm. And to me, there's something very, very profound about yeah. that. Does this mean you've played the chicken dance? Oh, I have. I've <laughs> played it at a wedding. I was. I used to be a wedding and party DJ. Um, you had to play the chicken dance. They, you, they wouldn't tip you if you didn't play the chicken dance. Well, and you know what? And I always tell younger artists, do every gig possible. Yes. Because if nothing else, you get a good story out of it. Right. Right. You know, right. which is why, like, when I tell people I've, I've done gigs with, um, auctioneers and Russian circus clowns and <laughs> Tiny Tim, um, because it builds it builds your ability to yeah. know who you are, what you can do, and what you don't really want to do. Right. So. Right. I, I had a I, I had I wrote a series for different papers on uh, weird gigs like that. I had one was the party DJ. One was that when I when I was a uh, I wrote and produced screaming car commercials. <laughs> Did that. Uh, and of course, the the uh, when I wrote for the supermarket tabloid, you know, it's it's, it's great material. <laughs> well, and, I mean, I remember a musician who was collecting, you know, freaky gig stories years ago, and uh -huh. and it was it was in Minnesota, and this guitarist gets booked to go up to uh, Lutzen, which which was a ski resort, uh -huh. and he gets there and he walks in with his amp, and and the guy at the desk goes, "Oh man, I meant to call you." Oh, you know, three hour drive up there. And he's like, well, you can still do the gig. He's like, but, you know, the entire hotel is booked out for a deaf snowmobilers convention. <laughs> so, I mean, you just you just never know. But <laughs> that's great. That's so funny. <laughs> well, let's get to the album, yeah. the Ezra Weiss album, which which you are. Has, has that been in the works for a while? I know, I know PJCE doesn't is not like it's required. I think that the, that the album has to sit for two or three years before they release it. <laughs> well, no, and this one's pretty. No, quick. I love that. I mean, um, I love those guys. So you know, we're sitting at the intersection of Twentieth and Powell, and we recorded it mm -hmm. a few blocks away over uh -huh. on Holgate. Yeah, at Blue Butler Studios, mm -hmm. and um, the idea of this, I think, was in the works for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, Ez and I have known each other for over 20 years. Huh. And we operate in really, really different spheres of the music. Absolutely. But we absolutely have mutual um, respect and affection for each other. Mm -hmm. And we used to play together quite a bit. Yeah. And um, 
I had approached him because I really wanted to do something that was more of a traditional piano trio. Uh-huh. Um, I love, it, it's like everyone always just seems like I must in my spare time just sit and listen to crazy free jazz. But <laughs> it's like given my downtime, I'm probably more often listening to like the Bill Evans trio. Uh-huh. Or, you know, something that is Which beautiful. Trio? Well, with Motion and LaFaro and... Okay. And, well, uh, I mean, there was several, there were several yeah. editions of, of that. Well, actually, one of my favorites was uh, there's an album of his called "Simple Matter of Conviction" with uh-huh. Shelley Mann and Eddie Gomez, which yeah. I think is just a I loved Eddie Gomez. Amazing, with the, the, amazing yeah. record. Yeah. But I had approached as about doing a trio project because I really want I, I miss playing tune based music and I like mm-hmm. I like doing ballads and I said I want to mm-hmm. do an all ballad hmm. project. Brushes. Yeah, all brushes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, I love brushes. I mean, sure. that's where, like, where, where Mel and I always relate. Uh-huh. And um, I mean, a few years ago, Mel started calling me to sub his Salties gigs. And it's like, wow. I love just getting a chance to just sit and, yeah. you know, stir the soup and play brushes because yeah. brushes have always been, you know, huge for me. Mm-hmm. So as and I've talked about this off and on for a number of years. And then in January, I had a dream and you can actually read about this in the notes uh, that that uh, PJCE put out. Mm-hmm. That as and I were were playing music, and we, and I woke up and it sounded like I'd been listening to Marilyn Crispell, this album called Amaryllis with with mm-hmm. uh, Motion, mm-hmm. Gary Peacock. Um, and in my dream, that's what we were playing. And I I sent the album to as and I said I had a dream we played music that sounded like this. He goes wow. well do you want to go into the studio? And I was like, sure. (laughs) So we decide to go into the studio with no plan, just to play some music and Uh see maybe what'll happen. Yeah. Meanwhile, I call up Reed and Joe Cunningham and I said, Hey, do you have any tunes that you've written that you think would be interesting to hear Mm -hmm. in a piano based drum setting? Mm -hmm. And, um, Reed had one, which is the title tune of the album, is Amazing Life. It's mm-hmm. a really, it's, it's a great tune. And we've, I mean, I've played it with him before. It has a new life as a piano trio. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Cunningham came back with two pieces. I think he actually wrote one for it, and I told him not to. But um, <laughs> Why? Well, I just wanted to see what he, I, I didn't want to put extra effort. It's like, do you okay. have something kicking around the house, yeah, you know, yeah. under, <laughs> underneath the, uh, you know, it's like it's like when it's like when Morricone had this theme for um, uh, uh, that beautiful woman in uh, I can't remember the name, but it was it was a theme that came up when she was on the screen. You're not talking about Deborah's theme from Once Upon a Time in America. No, right? I'm not. I'm well, talking about one of the one. westerns, and I and okay. I just I, have, I cannot I have a brain fart about who the, the oh beautiful that's the Cardinal uh, Claudia Cardinal. Claudia, yeah, I know, okay. I know that I know that piece. And I always thought he wrote this for her. And then our late year, decades later, I read, oh, I just had it. There was something I had laying around the studio. <laughs> anyway, so so Joe writes two pieces, and one is um, very kind of noirish. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Gumshoe, and um, another piece called The End of Suffering, and they're just they're they're stunning pieces. Mm-hmm. And then Ed's wrote one of the pieces. Um, it's one of the. It's the first piece on the on the record, and then Reese Marshburn, hmm. um, the bylines had a piece yeah. that 
they performed at a New Year's Eve, um, an online New Year's Eve thing, and <laughs> Ez heard it and loved it and asked if he could record it. And huh. I said, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so there's four tunes. Yeah. And it's funny because Ez was like, well, that's not really an album. It's a, that's, that's an EP. I said, first of all, go back to any Blue Note album from the 60s. Yes. Like 64. Yes. Um, Let Freedom Ring, four tunes. Yes. Um, you know, you know any of those Jackie McLean albums, um, Grush on Monk or the Third. It's like mm-hmm. there's four tunes on there. It's like it's an mm-hmm. album. Yeah. You know? an EP, and an EP doesn't even. It's meaningless in this day yes. and age of we're it not is. even. This is a digital only release. You're not even holding something in your hands. Right. So, right. Right. Um, well, it's like that for a lot of things. You know, when when we started the podcast, that's when podcast had to be an hour. It was seemed to be a, a requirement. They had to be an hour, and then after a little after a while, I went, no, they don't. <laughs> they should be well, what they should be. That's all. Think about our, you know, how we get information. I mean, the delivery systems have changed dramatically. Um, sure. I mean, now everyone thinks about the TED Talk. You know, eight, it's eighteen minutes. It's like yes. Prior to that, it was some guy standing on a stage behind a lectern talking for forty-five minutes. And right. It's like right. we want things delivered. Yep. You know, yep. quicker. Um, yep. You know, the bullet point. The um, you know, the haiku. The I yep. mean, whatever. When I'm editing a piece from uh, from an inexperienced writer, I always a lot of times I'll cut most of the, uh, not most but many of their paragraphs in half. <laughs> just, just well, just visually. I mean, yeah, you, exactly. Visually looking at something, right. it's like right. you know, yeah, it's a, it's a psychology. Yeah. Anyway, so so four tunes, um, they are almost all very um, ballad driven. It's mm-hmm. um, it's very moody. It's moody and broody. Mm-hmm. It's it's basically a, um, it's an emo, it's an emo project, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. it's a pandemic project. <laughs> yeah, which is, I originally wanted to call the project Inside because we've all been quarantined. We've all been yes, you know, away from the town square. Right. And um, and for me, it is a very inside project. Mm-hmm. I joked to somebody recently that for me, it is very inside. For as it is probably very outside of what he typically does yeah but we're meeting in the middle yeah yeah and um and john shaw is just i mean you know john studied with with andre st james and Mm -hmm. he has that same just you know taffy pull elasticity to be Mm -hmm. able to play in to play out Mm -hmm. and to be fearless Mm -hmm. and i've never ever once had to really think about what he does because he's there that's great yeah. And um, so we're doing, uh, we're releasing it at the end of September. Will there be a gig? There is October fourth at mm-hmm. the um, at the at the old church. Great! Oh, what a nice venue for that. And the bylines will be beautiful uh, venue for that. Yep. The, oh, and man. the bylines will be uh, uh-huh. performing, as will uh-huh. Joe Cunningham and Reed Wallsmith. Wow! So basically, three groups. Uh-huh. And um, I'm. I have not actually performed on that stage since the memorial for Andre St. James, which was wow. in oh. 2018. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, if, you know, of course, they have a new sound system, and I don't know if you've been in there, but you know, it's, yeah. all, it's all painted and Well, and I, I use the space in my day gig for World Oregon. I've yeah. presented a lot of speakers there because yeah. it's, yeah. I think it's actually, it's a better room for speaking. I think it's not mm-hmm. a... Well, it's a church. Well, it's also, it's not a... It's not an easy room for a drummer to play in because ah. it's the sound builds up so uh-huh. much. Uh-huh. I mean, I was, uh-huh. still remember Dave King was doing a thing in there with one of the groups he was playing with, and I was like, 
you know, you got to just, you got to moderate yourself mm -hmm. very, very differently because you can overwhelm mm -hmm. a group, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, quickly. So. Is there a drummer joke in that? <laughs> oh, there's a drummer joke. In I had, everything. I had, of course, the the new um, uh, CEO at the uh, Portland Jazz uh, is uh, is Meg. Yep. Who is a drummer? Yep. And I, I had her in here, and I said, "Well, all right, Meg, you know any drummer jokes?" And she she rattled off three or four. <laughs> Yet another KMHD yep. uh, disc jockey. <laughs> no, and in fact, I haven't met Meg. I'm looking forward to meeting. Oh, her. she's ter yeah. she's she's terrific. Yep. She's terrific. Yeah, she's a dr she's a drummer. Well, I knew that. In fact, we're doing a <laughs> no. I mean that, and, and all that that entails. <laughs> um, we were doing a listening party too with mm -hmm. PJCE um, at the probably middle of middle of September mm -hmm. for this as well. I don't know really no details, but um, now it's just wild to have, you know, four weeks of gigs and then an album coming out. And, yeah, and feel it's like I feel like I'm getting a little piece of myself. Back. Yes, exactly, exactly. I went to a gig for the first time in three years two weeks ago because I had any health problems, the pandemic, and then you know a couple of surgeries. And I went to see uh, Reggie Houston. Which was he was, visiting? He was visiting. Okay. He's he's going to move back uh, from New Orleans, but uh, he was visiting and it was delightful. He had Tyrone Hendricks, who was in here last week, and uh, well, yeah. and it's funny. You ben, know, I, ben Jones and all those guys, you know. You know, I got married during the pandemic. Yeah. And, um, you know, I started beginning to play some gigs, but my wife, I realized, really hadn't ever heard me play. What? And so we met. Really? When, we had, yeah, we, we met wow. when she, I wasn't doing my radio show. I wasn't playing gigs. So it was a very, very different orientation. And I was like, wow, what if she she comes to a gig and she like hates jazz and oh i know <laughs> and and doesn't like what i'm doing it's like this could be this could be problematic yeah problem more than more than that <laughs> so it's i mean I, so what's the outcome well well she does she likes she likes the jazz that's good um well and she loves me so she's very supportive yeah. um <laughs> and, you know, during the pandemic, what we've been doing is we've been having sessions in my backyard. Uh -huh. And I just, uh -huh. I, my neighbors don't seem to mind. That's good. I live next door to a bass player, which helps. <laughs> um, but, um, no, they people enjoy it. And, and Allie, my wife, also will host sing-alongs. Really? Yeah, we had a... Um, Karaoke? Kind of. We, <laughs> we had a Sound of Music sing-along. Is that right? Um, when we were feeling hopeful. And then after the Roe yeah. v. Wade thing... right. Um, she organized a rage sing-along. <laughs> like, for instance, what was in the rage sing-along? Oh, you know, we're not going to take it. Uh, um, don't give a damn about my reputation. Okay. Um, okay. Words, um, songs with 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 the F word in them. No. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's a podcast. You can say that. Okay. <laughs> it's funny. I will. I will actually put, you know asterisks in swear words even on, on social really? media just because <laughs> i don't know i'd like to have a little bit of propriety i'll never day. forget you know i had a, i had a lot of years in tv in baltimore and, and when i came here you know uh, i you know, i started doing that kind of stuff and i got invited on a to a comedian's um cable access show and he says you can say anything you on here that you want and for the first time in my whole life, I said, fuck on television. And it just, 
it was overwhelming. I could, what did I just do? Am I, am I ruined? This is in 1998, right? And, uh, but it was, it was so, it was such a jarring experience for me to actually do that after, after censoring myself for, you know, the, the first 20 years of my career. <laughs> well, you know, Portland just lost an, an incredible woman, um, Julie Mancini. Mm. And Julie was the founder of um, Literary Arts mm-hmm. and was a mentor for dozens upon dozens of people I know, and actually primarily younger women mm-hmm. who were involved in arts and culture and um, politics and all sorts of different things. And Julie is famous for her her mouth, which was, <laughs> in fact, her family has created a website to have people put their memories on, and it, it mm-hmm. is actually... JulieFuckingMancini.com, <laughs> and but it is. I mean, it's like all of a sudden we're seeing everything I've seen online um, talking about her, um, just her, her, mm-hmm. her, her beauty and her, her larger than lifeness and her mm-hmm. support of people. Every single person talks about um, her dirty mouth. Her dirty mouth, but also <laughs> uses the language because it's yeah. like, guess what? We, we, it's okay. we, we own that. Yeah. I mean, the last yeah. phone conversation I had with her, she picked up the phone and instead of saying, hello, this is what I get on the other line. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there's, your, there's, your, there's, there's me using the F word. Oh my God. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so before before we wrap things yeah. up, um, I, 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 I'm anxious to know about the organization that you work for. Sure. Is that your basic day job? Yeah, that's my basic day job. I've yeah. been the director of programs for World Oregon for um, almost 13 years. Yeah. Uh, World Oregon uh, was formerly the World Affairs Council of Oregon, founded mm-hmm. in 1950. Wow. Which I was telling people a lot during the Trump administration was founded in a moment very much like the one that we are in mm-hmm. of um, American exceptionalism and isolationism yes. and the McCarthy era. Yes. And it was founded by a group of people from Reed to give uh-huh. Oregonians a platform for understanding our role on the global stage. Huh. So that takes, um, that manifests itself in public programming, mm-hmm. um, K through 12 education work. We work mm-hmm. a lot with teachers and international exchange. So prior to the pandemic, we were bringing five to 700 international visitors a year mm. to Portland from you know, 100 plus countries who mm-hmm. are looking at many things that Oregon does really well, like mm-hmm. volunteerism, transportation, sustainability. Yeah. Um, healthcare. Yeah, health <laughs> care, yes. um, environmental management. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a youth program, which we just had come back for the first time in three years, which which I run in the summer times mm-hmm. with uh, teenagers from Iraq. Wow! So the Iraqi Young Leaders Exchange, and um, it's it's remarkable. These kids are fifteen to seventeen years old. Uh-huh. They come here to learn about activism and um, volunteerism and create action projects in their home communities. So really, really phenomenal work. And, yeah. And these these young people are so full of of fire and hope, mm-hmm. especially that 15 to 17 year old range. We work a lot with uh, youth here on these same issues. And I think youth in, the, in especially post 2016, the youth are far more, uh, they're intersectional, they're critical thinkers. Mm-hmm. They, they can navigate the news and the noise. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike most of us 
older older folk. Mm-hmm. Um, so back to what we do. So the public programming piece is what I do. So for many uh-huh. years, yeah. we did the International Speaker Series, mm-hmm. which was at the Schnitz. Yeah. So we've brought the Dalai Lama to town and mm-hmm. Desmond Tutu and Wangari Maathai mm-hmm. and um, you know global leaders. And that's that's one of the things I do. And mm-hmm. it's been online for the last three years. And we are returning to public programming in October. And it's great work. I love it because it amplifies that we need to look at the interconnection that we share Mm -hmm. and that we can learn from other countries and other cultures. And I think, um, you know, kicking American exceptionalism in the ass, I think, is really, really important. It's a good idea. Um, We are not the greatest country in the world. No. Um, we are struggling to maintain the lifeline of democracy as we know it. As mm-hmm. if, if you are not living in a bunker and you read, yeah. read you read the news. Right. And I think it's really important for people to understand that uh, the fragility. That so we don't end face, up living in a bunker. Well, that we don't turn into you know Hungary yes. or um, yes. you know other countries that are um, giving themselves over to authoritarianism and mm-hmm. um, and a loss of, of freedoms. Mm-hmm. I have never heard a musician talk with so much passion about their day job. <laughs> I love it. It is it is great work. I mean, for yeah. someone who has worked in arts and culture for and, and, and in nonprofits for my entire life, I mean, it has been, I, I it just, it stokes the values, you know, mm-hmm. to, to spend time working on something during the day that, you can feel really, really strong about mm-hmm. and feel like you're you're doing some good work, mm-hmm. and that's hard. That's hard in the nonprofit sector because I think sure. we all we all think that we're doing we're doing good work. Yeah. I think that yeah. even calling something nonprofit is is it's a misnomer. Yes, because we're we're defining something by virtue of what it is not. Right. I think if we all just talked about public benefit organizations, mm-hmm. then we would have to remind ourselves what the public benefit is. So yes. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. Congratulations. Hey, thanks, Tom. I want. To, I would love to see you write some more. Now, I'm not talking about for Oregon yeah. Music News. I mean, in general, no matter where it came up, because we miss you. Well, thanks. And I hope that uh, I hope you, that you start making new shows for KMHD, because we miss that. And congratulations on this series and, and the hey, new thanks. record. Um, I hope people can come out and enjoy it. And um, turn, turn, turn is a lovely space it's right next to where daryl grant was doing the soul restoration center and yeah. across the street from ethos music and mm-hmm. it's a nice little uh corridor remember a couple of years ago uh, more more than that because it's time talking about things in the past and having that three years or two years of, of pandemic just skews everything oh totally yeah but I remember um, I got a call from Matt Flieger from K, the, the boss at KMHD that, that that there was a whole bunch of KMHD disc jockeys at Turn Turn Turn, and did I want to stop by? And I was like, yes, because why never we never get to see anybody. But um, so that, that it, it's 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 a great place. It's a really good place. And uh, listen, I would like to go out on one of the tunes from the album. Okay. Have any suggestions? Yeah, I think the first tune, uh, the prayer, the uh-huh. prayer for the past. Okay, it's a, it's a good, it's a good introduction. It's uh, you, you get to wade in and then get into the deep end pretty quickly. Terrific! Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Tom, for having uh, me. And as we always try to say at the end of these things. 
That's entertainment. Well, and as Andre would say, bright moments. Bright moments. Bright moments.